Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind, because it's story time. As you may or may not know, I've been working on my psychic development and growing my spiritual practice so I can be a more knowledgeable investigator, researcher, and podcaster. And because it's also just really fun. So I had a reading from Soul, a very powerful medium who was referred to me. She told me a lot of interesting things, but two really stood out to me. One was that my dog Norman was sent to me by my late grandpa. And he's like, no, the dog is there for a reason. It's going to make sense for her, especially with your home and where you moved to, okay? And two, that there were spirits in my house that are going to help me develop my gifts. They're like friends. They're, they're friends, if you will. They're not there to scare you or invade your space. And one of them was a little girl. I don't know, she's just kind of playful. Uh, and I see her kind of running around. So that night before bed, I said aloud, Okay, little girl, if you'd like to communicate with me in my dream tonight, you have my permission. I'm usually able to communicate better in my dreams because I'm less afraid. Then, in the middle of the night, I was jolted awake when Norman jumped on top of my stomach. He was standing perfectly still, silently looking over the side of the bed. I groggily tried to get him to go back to sleep. And that's when I noticed his eye line. It was about three to four feet off the ground, around the height a young girl might be. I looked at the spot where he was looking and immediately turned over in bed to face the opposite direction. It was one thing to talk to the girl in my dream, and I was not ready for face-to-face -face interaction. So Norman never did anything like that again. Until a few months later. I had been out of town for a couple weeks on a shoot. My first night back home, I laid in bed and called Norman over. He jumped onto the bed, but then he started barking uncontrollably. I looked toward the direction he was barking, and it was at the same spot that he was staring at when he woke me up in the middle of the night months ago. My skeptical husband then said, to my surprise, he hasn't done that the entire time you've been gone. Did you bring something back with you? And I paused. I thought, I actually don't think I brought something with me. I think whatever was already here is just saying hello. When I came to this realization, Norman stopped barking and laid down for bed. I'm starting to see what Soul meant, and how Norman and the spirits in my house will be helping me on my spiritual journey. So whenever I tell people that story, a common reaction is that I probably shouldn't be interacting with a little girl because I don't really know her. To which I respond, then why not get to know her? 
Of course, I'm aware of the potential consequences. I warn people of them all the time. But what about the potential gains? That's what today's episode is all about. The variety of spirits who have interacted with humans in benevolent ways. First, I tell the tale of a spectral nun who would protect young siblings. Next, I narrate the story of a person who was favored by the mysterious Encanto. And finally, I speak with Jasmine, who befriended her ghostly roommate. Chapter 1. The Nun versus the Darkness. Submitted by Jessica. Hi, Sapphire. The story below is a true story, whether anyone believes it or not. I used to be a skeptic, but when things happen that you, one, can't find a logical explanation for, two, know aren't all in your head, and three, are corroborated by numerous people without any of you speaking of the experiences to one another first, you will most likely become open to the idea. Anywho, I probably have hundreds of experiences, some of which I've blocked out, but here is just one. When I was about 12 years old, my family and I moved to a nice suburban house in a nice suburban area. We were pretty poor. I don't like that word, but it is what it is. And this was absolutely a come up for us. I'm the second oldest of seven children and the oldest girl. I say that because I'm Black, and in many Black households, especially from my generation, the oldest girl is like a mini-mother, and a lot of the duties that should be taken on by the mom of the family are actually performed by the daughter. So we moved into this nice house in an established neighborhood, and my youngest sister was just born. Because of our family dynamic, I took care of my younger siblings, so dressing them, playing with them, changing them, teaching them how to speak, read, and write, everything but feeding because we were breastfed. And my sisters slept in the same room with me. The first few nights, we didn't have anything unusual happen. I think it was about a month in when the house, and my room in particular, started feeling dark to me. Like I said, I've always been a skeptic, wasn't afraid of the dark, and highly unlikely to be scared of shadows or the like. My mother always told me, the same things you see with the lights on will be there when the lights are off. So I never really worried. I was given similar advice about horror movies. The director says cut, the actors wipe the scary makeup off, and go home to their wonderful mansions because they just got paid. Makes sense. So I'd never believed in ghosts or demons either. But for days, I couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me. And this was everywhere I went in the house. Just a constant feeling. One night, around 3 a.m., my mother opened my bedroom door to bring my baby sister back to me. The routine was... Little sisters slept in my bed. I would bring the baby to my mom for nighttime feedings. Mom would bring her back when she was finished. My mom and I never turned the lights on during this process because we did not want to wake up the baby. After she left, I recall just staring at my closed room door because it was unusually dark in front of it. Like someone was still standing there. There was enough moonlight, I was fully awake, and I knew my mother had gone back to bed. I'd heard her bedroom door close right down the hall, and I hadn't heard anybody else get up. 
Of course, me being me, I figured I was sleepier than I thought I was, and I settled my baby sister down and started to fall asleep. But before I could get all the way to sleep, I felt a warm breath on my face. I thought my other sister, she was around three at the time, had woken up and was going to ask me to take her to the bathroom. I remember it registering as unusual because I'm a very light sleeper and I hadn't felt the bed move. I opened my eyes and hovering above me was darkness. I I literally have no other way to describe it because, as I'd said, the moonlight was pretty bright and lit up my room except for this spot around six feet long, approximately two inches from my face and not quite reaching the ceiling. And it felt mean. I'm sure everybody knows the feeling of being in a space where you're unwanted and even if nobody says it, you know they want you to leave, right? Well, imagine that multiplied by 10. Even at my big age, not afraid of the dark, I could only think to pull the covers up over my head. I wanted to mention it to my mom, but I didn't actually see anything. So what could I say? Mama, I think the darkness hates me. This went on every night for several nights. I remember watching this show on TV and someone said something similar had happened to them. So they said the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I tried it. It seemed to make the darkness angrier. One night, after the visit, I was saying the prayer, and my throat started closing up. I was legitimately having trouble speaking. I'm barely eking the words out, like my tonsils are too swollen for sound to get through, and I start panicking. The darkness moved closer to my right side where my sister slept. I slept on the left, right next to my wall. My baby sister was in the middle and my little sister was on the far right. I remember tears streaming down my face and trying so hard to speak. Previously, the darkness had only hovered over me and I preferred it that way because at least it was staying away from the babies. I thought, oh, hell no, and managed to break free of this trance and finish the prayer. It went away. For the next few nights, it happened repeatedly, with the seas up beginning earlier and earlier in the prayer. One night, after finally finishing and being physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted, I remember bawling and saying, God, if you do exist, Help me. I can't do this anymore. I'm tearing up as I write this because I remember that feeling. I'm not even a crier. The next night, I don't sleep because I know what's going to happen. Sure enough, around 3 a.m., the darkness waltzed into my room and I started streaming silent tears. I want to say we'd gotten used to the supernatural, but that's not really the right phrase to use. It was still jarring, but it wasn't surprising, you know? So, after the darkness came into my room, I saw this bright light drift in through my closed door. It wasn't like a flashlight, 
but it was bright, but not enough to make me cover my eyes or to wake up my sisters. Inside the light was a white woman, white as in her race, wearing what looked like a nun's habit. I'm not sure if that's what it was, but that's what it looked like to me. Mind you, my family is not religious, and especially not Catholic. But in glides this nun. She was smiling the entire time and just felt warm and kindly grandmother-like. She glided to the right side of the bed where I had this big, comfortable chair that I used to read in. She sat down and started knitting. She didn't make any noise, and the light around her dimmed, but didn't go away. She'd look over at me every once in a while, smile, and kept knitting. Meanwhile, the darkness seemed as perplexed as I was for a minute and just paused. Then, I guess after it saw she wasn't doing anything, it continued its way over to me. It seemed to take delight in my panicked attempts at prayer while I watched it. Before it could hover over me, the nun put her knitting down on her lap and just glared at it. Oh man, I'm getting chills right now. But the look on her face, it reminded me of my mama when she caught us doing something we knew we shouldn't have been doing and she doesn't even say anything, just looks at you. The darkness paused started advancing again, and the nun scooted up in the chair like she was going to stand. The darkness seemed to look at her and then shrank back and out the door. She stared at the door for a minute, settled back into the chair, and started knitting again. I just kept staring at her. I wasn't worried or afraid, just calm and curious. Out of all the entities and apparitions I'd seen so far... She was the only one I enjoyed having around. After some time, the darkness tried to creep back into the room, but the nun just glared at it until it left again. All night, she sat in my chair and stood guard until the sun came up and she kind of melted away. We lived in that house for eight years, and the nun came to stand guard every night. She only came after my sisters and I got into bed. She would sometimes knit, sometimes read what looked like the Bible, but she would always show up before the darkness did, and she wouldn't leave until after the sun rose. That is, until I turned 16 and my grandfather passed away. Her presence was replaced by his, and I always got a good night's sleep after that. The darkness didn't even try to enter anymore, not that I could tell. I kind of wished it had because I wanted to see what my grandfather would do to it. But no, it moved next door to my brother's room. And those are stories for another day. There's something really lovely about a group of innocent young girls being protected by a spirit they seemingly had no connection to. But as I've discussed on this show before, sometimes all it takes to receive protection is to ask. And it doesn't necessarily matter if you are of the faith or not. Whoever the nun was, she was certainly not a spirit to be feared. The stories continue after the break.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, the stories continue. Chapter 2. Favored by the Encanto. Submitted by Ran. Hi, Ate Sapphire. I've been a fan of your stories since 2018, and now I want to share my story with you. I live in the Philippines and grew up in a poor family. One day when I was in first grade, my mom couldn't give me money to buy lunch for school, and I just shrugged and said it was okay. While walking to school, since I didn't have any money to pay for a ride, I noticed a wallet on the side of the road. No one else was around, so I picked it up and looked inside. There weren't any pictures or cards, only a 500 peso bill. I thought I was very lucky that day. I was able to enjoy a nice lunch at school. When I got back home, I gave my mom the change and told her how I found it. She was surprised, maybe a little suspicious but happy nonetheless. So the fact that it happened was pretty amazing, but this happened every time I needed money. Money would magically come my way. And then I started finding myself lucky in other situations. So this happened when I was in second grade. My cousin forgot to pick me up at school, and since I was the only one left in the building, I decided to walk home on my own and have a little adventure. On the way, I had to cross a busy street. I was being very cautious, but out of nowhere, a semi-truck appeared. I was convinced it was going to hit me, but someone pulled my arms to the side of the road, and I was safe. I was about to thank the person who saved me, but she just frantically checked my whole body for any injuries. She never spoke, but she looked at me with extreme worry in her eyes. I'll never forget her eyes. Beautifully emerald eyes. After she made sure I was fine, she kissed me on the forehead and left. When I was in fifth grade, I was on my way home from school when four guys suddenly pulled me into an alley and covered my mouth. I recognized they were senior high schoolers because of their uniforms. I was so scared that I fainted. When I woke up, a pair of familiar emerald eyes greeted mine. I was about to speak when she shushed me. I looked around and found myself in the same alley. The seniors who grabbed me were knocked out on the ground. There were now three men and one woman who also had emerald eyes. They looked at me apologetically. One man came near me and kissed my forehead. He touched my hand and led me out of the alley, and when I was in safety, they all disappeared. From that day on, there were a lot of times where I would see them, but I never approached them, so I would just stare at them from afar, and seconds later, they'd be gone. Then, when I was in seventh grade, the total solar eclipse, or the blood moon, occurred in November. I usually went to school around 4.50 a.m. since school started at 6. I was the first one to arrive that day. I was waiting for my other classmates outside the room, and I was on the third floor looking down when someone stood right next to me. I looked up and once again saw those bright emerald eyes. 
and for the first time, she spoke to me. Don't worry. Always help. We keep you safe. She didn't have a specific accent. It almost felt like it was her first time speaking. As she was standing there, I finally got the chance to properly look at her. Black hair, red lips, a sharp nose and ears. I always knew that she wasn't human. I just smiled and said thank you. I asked her when I could see her again, and she pointed at the sky. The blood moon was almost over, and I figured she was trying to say, in the blood moon's return. Lots of love from the Philippines. Ran. I'm so used to hearing stories about Encanto that want something pretty serious in return for their kindness. So my instincts are telling me that Ran should be on guard. And then I realized that I was contradicting myself. How can I tell you listeners not to let negative stories influence how you interact with the spirit world when here I am doing just that? What if some Encanto are capable of being altruistic? So if you've ever had purely benevolent interactions with Encanto, send me an email. But until then, stay vigilant, Ram. Chapter three, my ghost roommate. So I have a poltergeist that I'm friends with. Uh, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I've been friends with her for about three years, but it, it didn't start off in a friendship. This is Jasmine Butler. I was introduced to her through a good friend of mine. She's seen ghosts and spirits ever since she was a kid. As a kid, you know, laying in bed at night and all of a sudden an apparition comes out of nowhere, um, type of thing like that. I would also see former pets of mine that have passed away. Before we get into her poltergeist friend, let's hear about the first ghost Jasmine ever witnessed when she was around three years old. Um, I was in my foster home that I later got adopted into. Um, that house was uh, very, very haunted. The background on the property is that it was on an Indian trail. And then after that, a railroad was built on top of it and a train caught on fire and um, the cargo burned up and a lot of the passengers on that train died as well. So I think that has something to do with how strong the energy was on that land and why I was able to see so much in that particular house. But um, yeah, it started when I was a kid. There was a passing ghost that woke me up in the middle of the night. Like, a, have you seen those old train conductor outfits where they have, it kind of looks like a union soldier type of outfit, the worker hat, the coat, dark. It was just very dark, dark coat, dark pants. And um, the faces are mostly always blurred out, but you can make out like a nose or that it has like some sort of humanoid feature. But that's the very first ghost that presented itself to me in that house. So it felt, I don't know how to describe it, but it felt kind of normal. That kind of stuff didn't freak me out as much because, I mean, none of them attacked me. They never really got close up on me. I didn't, I don't have, um, uh, what do you call those? night terrors or um, sleep paralysis. So I, I never got any of that kind of stuff. So growing up, like I just never had a negative relationship towards the entities that I have been involved with that I can remember. But yeah, it just, it was just a, a vibe that it had that I knew it wasn't anything bad. I mean, yeah, I've been caught off guard and it did spook me, 
but um, I've never had like, you know, where the poltergeist are like throwing objects at me or, you know, scratching me up or messing with me in the physical. No, it's just always from a distance, kind of like they're observing me. Having had nothing but harmless encounters with these spirits is part of the reason why Jasmine was so open to befriending the spirit in her current home. So I have a poltergeist that I'm friends with. So how I met this particular poltergeist, her name is Gail. Basically, um, I moved into a new spot. I got a roommate and he was living there previously with his wife, but she passed away. She didn't pass away in the house, but her presence was still there. But, you know, he didn't talk to me about that because, you know, it's not something you really bring up, especially like with someone you just met. But I noticed activity the moment that I started to move all of my stuff into the into my house that I'm in right now. So on moving day, my friends are helping me bring in all the boxes, you know, from the U-Haul, loading them up in the house. We shut the front door to go back out to the U-Haul to grab some more stuff. But when we opened the door, it was as if it was locked. And my friend's like, I know you didn't lock the door, but I can't get in. I'm like, nah, you're just holding the doorknob wrong. So I basically like go to open the door too, and I can't get in. It's like something's like behind the door. So we're at the door for about 15 minutes trying to get in. And I decide, you know what, I'm just going to call my roommate. So I called my roommate. I was kind of embarrassed, but I'm like, hey, you know, I'm kind of locked out. Um, can you open the door? So he comes down and opens the door like nothing was behind it. And he looks at us and he's like, you guys can open the door. It was unlocked this whole time. So that's when I noticed something was off. And I just felt it in my gut that something was off. I'm living there for about three weeks. And I'm just feeling this like angry energy directed at me. And my gut tells me it's, it's my roommate's late wife. So I'm trying to figure out ways to make a, I guess, like a better a union between us so that we can learn to live together and um, coexist without there being any, any negative energy between us. So I had to tell her, like I had a conversation, a channeling session with her. And I said, hey, Gail, I know, I know you're here. I know I'm in your house. I know this is your place. And I know that's your husband. I have, you know, nothing but respect for this house and for your husband. And I would like that energy as well directed back towards me. And after that, the, you know, the, the door being locked and not being able to get in the house stopped. The lights flickering in my room stopped. She started to respect my space and we started to coexist. So I didn't really see her, but I felt her until I want to say about a year ago, I actually saw a full apparition of her. She was sitting on the couch. I'm coming out of my room and my room is in direct view of the living room. So I'm coming out of my room and I see somebody sitting on the couch and it's a woman. And I see that she has long black hair. She has a white spaghetti strap on and she's wearing black leggings. And she's holding my roommate's dog literally holding the dog as if she's in the physical holding her and the dog isn't freaking out it's it's calm it's relaxed and I see that and I'm just in shock and she didn't move she stayed there and allowed me to see her and I like turn my head for a second to see you know if there's anything to the side of me for some reason and I turn back and the dog is placed on the couch and I go and I tell my roommate I'm like hey 
I don't want to freak you out, but I think I saw Gail. And he's like, you saw Gail? And I'm like, yeah, you know, she was sitting on the couch. She was wearing a white spaghetti strap shirt, black leggings, had long black hair, and she was holding, she was holding Allie the dog. And he's like, you know, she used to wear that outfit around the house all the time, the white spaghetti strap and the black leggings. She would wear that all the time. So I thought that was pretty, something pretty out of the ordinary, definitely something that I haven't encountered. I haven't ever seen a poltergeist lift things, especially lift the dog and have the dog be just calm as if, you know, she's being held in the, you know, in the 3D, but it left a mark. It definitely was something that I will never forget. But um, yeah, after that, it's just been back to normal. I haven't seen her apparition anywhere. But um, she does occasionally help me with marketing. It sounds kind of weird, but when I'm working on like a freelance project, she likes to chime in sometimes. You know, she'll announce herself and then she'll give me um, kind of like visual downloads. And one day I told my roommate about that too, because I'm very open with him about my experiences with his wife. So I told him like, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird. I've never had this happen before, but Gail helped me out with marketing. And he's like, Gail helped you out with marketing? I go, yeah, kind of strange, right? And he's like, no, not really, because she used to be a marketer. It's wild. It's wild, you know, like, because I was doing a nonprofit project, and she was she was really adamant about coming through. She was just like, Gail, Gail, Gail. That's all I heard was her name repeatedly in my head. And I, I guess I picked up the, you know, picked up the phone, and she just gave me all these crazy downloads that, you know, my clients loved. So I thank you, Gail. <laughs> She came around about two weeks ago. My roommate said he felt her presence. He's like, yeah, we took a walk together. Yeah, so I, I just love that he's so open about it because usually, um, typically, the, the normal reaction would be to reject it or to think, oh, that's crazy or all oh, it's in your head, but to have somebody, you know, sit there and be open-minded and also express, hey, yeah, I've seen her too. I've been experiencing that too. It, it really helped. And we're able to coexist in some really unique way. It's really cool to see that Jasmine and her roommate are happily coexisting with Gail. But there will be people who might wonder if Gail is who she says she is. I asked Jasmine how she is able to determine if she's dealing with a trickster or not. It's just making sure that you have strong boundaries with yourself, that you have confidence in what you're doing. And that you know that you're protected and that you have the ability to protect yourself all by yourself. So it's the, it's the details. Being able to make sure that you set the rules before you do any channeling session. So what I do is I set the rule that if, you know, the person that I'm looking for, if they're not, if they don't want to be um, contacted, they will show me the specific sign that I asked for, that they don't want to be contacted or that they're, not contactable but most of the time they are contactable and it does come through to be them because they they give away themselves they give away details that only the other person can confirm yes you know like with the the client that I had whose mother I came in contact with she said hey I bake sweets these particular sweets for my kids I used to wear this particular scarf my nose was very prominent like this and being able to translate that over to my client to have her confirm yes that's my mom. Um, that's how I know. And there's also, it's just a natural feeling in my gut. Like, I'm just very, very sensitive. And I know when something's malice. And I know when something is benevolent. 
it has just come over time too. I've had a lot of trial and error with it, but it's just stating out loud your rules for the session, closing out the session, and I also use protective sigils from my Reiki healings to protect me during each channeling session. Jasmine is also a Reiki healer. Um, everything's free. I do it out of the, you know, it's just a passion of mine. So if anyone wants like a channeling session or a distant healing session, I also do in-person as well if they're in the area. So the best way to contact me would be my email, which is Jasmine Butler, J-A-S-M-I-N-E-B-U-T-L-E-R-303 at gmail.com. And hey, if you need more content, I got you. I have a lot more stories too. Of course, there can be real dangers when interacting with spirits, but I think this fear stops us from embracing the non-dangerous aspects of the spirit world. I simply want to encourage people to rethink their relationship with spirits from what we normally see in horror movies and TV shows, where spirits are always portrayed as villains. Sometimes they can be guardians, protectors, or even friends. Thank you for joining me today. Do you have any supernatural friends of your own? Send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. And did you know that I offer tarot readings? You can schedule a session at storieswithsapphire.com. I also live stream twice a week on youtube.com slash sapphiresandalo. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Jessica, Ran, and Jasmine. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com. <laughs>